Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. WPHT-HD-WOGL-HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. I told you you'd hear a lot about Russia. I told you, Russia, Russia, Russia. You're going to hear more and more about it. Oh, Putin, Trump, Putin, Putin, Trump. Russia collusion. Russia, Russia's behind Putin. I mean, Russia's behind Trump, and Putin's behind Trump. And you're going to hear this over and over from now until the election. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. A lot going on today. You know, the guy who was that uh, confidential human source for the FBI, this guy is now being labeled a Russian informant, part of the Russian intelligence and proof of Russian collusion. And obviously now he's uh, clearly a Russian agent designed to make Joe Biden look bad, even as Vladimir Putin says he'd be happier with Joe Biden as president because obviously Joe Biden is all in on the war in Ukraine. And that makes Putin rich, as it makes Ukraine rich as well, even though there's no chance Ukraine can win. We're living in very strange times here, and you got to really dig deep to get to the truth. You have to go behind the layers because there's so much happening. And I'm excited because I'm in D.C. right now, and we'll be at CPAC tomorrow and Friday on Radio Row. We couldn't be there today. Today's setup day, so the good people over at WMAL in Washington were letting me use their studio for the day. But uh, you have to really, really peel back the layers here to get to the truth of everything that's happening. Because if you if you understand that how it's possible that Zelensky and Ukraine could be making money and Putin and Russia are making money at the same time this war is going on, you could understand why a lot of people, myself included, are very, very skeptical and don't understand why we're still funding this. And again, today, Biden used the death of Putin's big critic, 
Navalny to call for more aid to Ukraine. And you just got to wonder to yourself, what, what, what benefit does Putin have killing the guy? He's in prison. Now the guy's dead, and now everybody's calling for more aid to Ukraine. And all the allies and the world and everybody else, I mean, the guy was in prison. What, what is killing him? How does killing him serve Putin's interest? You just got to wonder these things. That's all I'm saying. You just have to wonder. Because if you don't wonder, then you, you can be very, very quickly surprised when all of a sudden there's more money going to Ukraine because this guy died in prison. And you say to yourself, why are my tax dollars going over there? What does this have to do with me? Well, it shouldn't have anything to do with you except the fact that we never let a good crisis go to waste. But what if we manufactured the crisis? I'm not saying we did. I'm just saying, how do we know we didn't? We don't know anything. That's the problem. We don't know anything other than the fact that uh, Ukraine cannot win this war. It can't win. It can no longer win. And that is a piece that came out today, which I thought was an excellent piece by Joe Buccino, writing this over at Real Clear Defense. And he makes the point that in reality now, this is a brutal slog. There's no path to victory. Russia has the momentum. And two years in, there really is no path of victory for Ukraine. Not in the sense of pushing Russian troops back to the pre-February 2022 lines of control. Now, why is this relevant? It's relevant because we have a presidential election going on. There are three candidates left. Three, I shouldn't say only three. There's four. I mean, if you count RFK Jr. Uh, Of those candidates, two of them are all in on the war in Ukraine and two are not. So the two that are in are Joe Biden and Nikki Haley. The two that are not are Donald Trump and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now, the people who are going to... Trump's going to be the nominee. I I don't doubt that. Trump's going to be the nominee on the Republican side. The Democrat side remains to be seen. It won't be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They will never let him get the nomination. And he's not running as a Democrat anyway. But it'll be another Democrat just besides Joe Biden. But everything that we're talking about in Washington right now is not securing the border. It's not dealing with the crisis at the border where today I think they said 20,000 Chinese migrants illegally crossed into the southern border, 20,000. It's not that. It's Ukraine funding. First and foremost, it's that. Zelensky is sitting down with Brett Baer and Fox News to have a little chat. There's rumors that there's going to be another big congressional address by Zelensky coming up. All of these things that are happening at the very same time, we are watching Nikki Haley refuse to surrender to Donald Trump, even though this primary is over and Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And I was listening to a a Pentagon spokesperson, State Department spokesperson, some spokesperson was on this morning with Dana Perino. And Dana did a great job of questioning her on a number of different things. And Dana asked her this question. She said, why doesn't the president just come out and give a big national address explaining the reasons why America should back the war in Ukraine? Wouldn't that be helpful to you? And she didn't really answer the question. She just kind of dodged it. She said, oh, Biden's been very, very, very uh, forceful on his positions here. And Dana said, no, he hasn't. He just says comments here and there as he's boarding the helicopter. He doesn't really he hasn't really explained anything. Congress hasn't voted on a resolution of any kind. And then the woman went on to say, you have to remember something. This Ukraine funding, this money is going for American jobs. These are the defense contractors who make the this in this state and the people that make the tanks in Michigan, the people who make the bullets in Pennsylvania. Like she started naming all the swing states, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, starts naming all these states. 
And I thought, wow, that's interesting that she said all these states and what they produce and what we're actually buying here, what we're paying for. But it's a good reminder of the military industrial complex and how they want this to continue because, yeah, we're not just writing a check that's going directly to the bank of Ukraine, although some of that money is. A lot of that money is going to the American defense industry, who is then using that money for the purposes of sending armaments over to Ukraine, armaments that come from the United States, helicopters, drones, mines, bullets, anti-tank missiles, all these other things. But it's a reminder of how the swamp wants this to continue, because if it continues, then people will continue making money here in the United States of America. I mean, don't be fooled. I mean, this this is in, in many ways a, a, an American jobs bill here. It's just an American jobs bill under the guise of doing everything to help our ally Ukraine, even though Ukraine is exhausted and outnumbered, struggling to recruit new troops. And as they point out, the best Ukraine can do now is fight Russia to a negotiated settlement that allows some sort of sovereignty, maybe some territorial integrity, maybe security from another Russian invasion. But even that now seems unrealistic. And yet, in the midst of all this, Putin is triumphant as he continues to serve as the world's gas station. And that was the other question that Perino had for this woman this morning. Why is Biden cutting off liquid natural gas exports at a time when our allies are saying we don't want to buy from Vladimir Putin? And she said, no, 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 we, energy independence is first and foremost for this administration. You know, we have been supplying liquid natural gas to our allies so they don't have to buy from Vladimir Putin. And Dana said, whoa, 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 wait a second here. That's not true. Just last week or a week before, whatever it was, Biden announced no more permits for liquid natural gas exports. So what are you talking about? But this is an administration that is is fine with Russia making money. They're, they're okay with it. You know, if you peel back the layers of this, you realize... Russia's making money. Iran's making money. Ukraine's making money. Everybody's making money under Joe Biden right now. The world seems to be on fire. And yet, as this is happening, more of our taxpayer dollars are being asked to go to fund this, even though there's no chance Ukraine wins. But it's not about winning. It's about making sure that the swamp, the defense industrial complex, gets to eat and gets to use that money. For the bullets in Pennsylvania and the tanks in Michigan and the rockets that are built in North Carolina and the whatever name your swing state where a defense contractor has a plant and makes this stuff, which they then ship overseas. It's not that complicated to see here. It really isn't. Meanwhile, though, the voters have grown very weary of supporting all this. And that's why there is not going to be a congressional vote on this. It's why there's not going to be a, a authorization by Congress to support Ukraine, whatever it takes. And yet Nikki Haley is dying on this hill. I played you the clip yesterday of Nikki Haley talking about, we have to continue to be in the fight for Ukraine. She's dying on this hill. And if anybody says that you think this is a waste of money, then you're pro-Putin, you want to see Ukraine lose, you want to see Putin win, you want to see Putin conquer the world, you want to ride the beautiful escalators in Stalin Station... You want to take in all their markets like Tucker Carlson. You're just that person. So you can't even have a legitimate conversation or debate about it because everybody will turn around and go, ah, you're just a Putin plant. You see, it's the Putin wing of the party again. And this is where we are. Donald Trump and any Republican who does not want to see massive amounts of United States money go overseas to continuously fund this 
I don't even know if you call it a war anymore in Ukraine, is immediately labeled as the Putin party, the Putin wing of the Republican Party, by the very same people that are all in on war. And they're all in on this stuff. You know, Liz Cheney, I found it adorable the other day when Liz Cheney said, the Putin wing of the party, Trump's Putin wing. I mean, Liz Cheney, do you think if Liz Cheney were president, we'd be pulling out of Ukraine anytime soon? No, 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 no. We'd probably go more in, if anything else. We'd probably go even further into Ukraine to help them if she were president. I have no doubts about that. We're going to start sending them F-16 fighter jets. Remember when when uh, Biden said we're not going to give them tanks because tanks would mean World War III, and then we weren't going to give them planes? Now we're sending them F-16 fighter jets in addition to everything else. But even that's not going to turn the tide here. Even that's not going to do it. It's not going to change things. And yet here we are. It's almost as if you are behind the looking glass or through the looking glass or whatever the expression is, but you turn around and you say to yourself, I don't understand why can't we just have this debate about whether or not Ukraine can actually win? And the reason then goes back to protecting Joe Biden. See, the very same people that are benefiting from this war want Joe Biden to stay in power. They don't want Donald Trump to get in power. They, I mean, they're fine if Biden's out. Like, if they replace Biden with somebody else, they're okay with that. But otherwise, they're going to make sure that Biden stays in because they need to make sure that the Ukraine war keeps going because they're all getting rich off this thing. And that's why suddenly now the confidential human source has now been labeled a Russian operative. And the case against Biden that's being made by Jim Jordan and James Comer, now the media is mocking it. The corporate media is doing their thing and mocking it as, oh, you see, this guy was a Russian the whole time. He was Russian. You see, told you so. He was Russian and the Russians are in on it. And this whole thing is a scam and Biden's not corrupt. It's just more Russian propaganda. Where did we hear this from? Where did we hear this last time? Do you remember? Oh, right. The Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. You remember that? The DOJ wants us to believe that a guy who had been an FBI informant for over a decade, who they described as credible until the time that he accused the Bidens of taking bribes from Ukraine and then is arrested all of a sudden is now part of Russian intelligence. See, suddenly the Justice Department now in a new filing has said that the confidential human source who allegedly lied to the FBI about Hunter Biden was in contact with Russian intelligence. This guy was a confidential human source for the FBI for 10 years. Isn't it convenient that all this comes out now? Isn't it convenient that this comes out at this moment in time? So they can discredit the entire thing. And I've got lots of clips for you, lots of audio clips. I mean, there was one exchange today on CNN with Gloria Berger, Gloria Borger, and she's going on about this whole thing and says, you know, given this new information about somebody who is acting more like a Russian operative than anything else, I think Republicans are going to have to pull back on impeaching Biden. Yesterday, I played you the clip of the vampiric one, Nancy Pelosi, going on about how what Putin has on Trump. Maybe it's financial. Just throws it out there. There's no proof, no evidence. Doesn't matter. Just throw it out there. Why is all this happening? All this is happening is you're going back to the very same playbook of 2016 to try to stop Trump. They know that all the court cases are not going to do it. They're not going to be able to lock him up. He's not going to be in a Georgia prison. So now we're going back to the old 2016 playbook. These people are not that creative. They're really not. I mean, they're not, they, they have no imagination. They just go back to the same old playbook from 2016. Russian collusion. Trump's a Russian plant. He's a Russian operative. 
Putin waits to invade Ukraine until Joe Biden's president, but doesn't matter because actually Trump's on Putin's payroll and that's that's what counts. In addition to that, they also go back to the 2020 playbook and say that any information that comes out about the Bidens is Russian disinformation. Much like how the laptop you were told was Russian disinformation, now the confidential human source who said he had information about Biden's getting bribes. He was a Russian plant, Russian disinformation. And the corporate media just parrots it. They go out there and they parrot it and say all those things. They, they, they don't hold back. They say whatever it is that they're told by their handlers in D.C. And the revolving door continues. Comer, Clapper, all these people, they wind up getting jobs on MSNBC and CNN. Also sit on boards of the defense contractors, the defense industrial complex. And their job is to make sure that the money still flows. That's their job. I told you a story back in, I guess it was 2019. I think we went to the White House to interview Trump in 2019. I was, a, I was in mornings, so Dawn and Greg were with me. And we went to the White House and the president and I were talking for a little bit in the Oval Office. And I said to him, I repeated what I said to him many times before. And I said, you know, I've told you this before, sir, but the reason why they wanted to stop you is because you're not giving them any new wars. And that's been a consistent theme. It's why they tried to stop him from getting elected. It's why they tried to stop him while he was in office. And it's why they're trying to stop him again. It all comes back to that. I'm convinced. If you go back and listen to what I said in 2016, back when other conservative hosts were bashing Trump, it's very convenient now. It really is. It's adorable, actually, to listen to so many conservative hosts now who just just love the man, you know, worship the man. But they trashed him left and right in 2016. But if you remember, I kept saying over and over again that the reason why they want to stop him is because he said no new wars. And he and Rand Paul got along. The two of them started to become buddies. And now they're good friends. And now they golf together all the time. But it's why they also tried to bring down his presidency. And what happens? They bring down his presidency. He's out. Biden's in. Within, what, a year, Putin invades Ukraine? Year, two two years, whatever it is. Putin rolls right into Ukraine. He's not worried about it. And are we really that concerned about this? Considering that all the money we're spending is just going to the defense industrial complex, are we really that worried about it? Do we really care if the war ends? No. In fact, we don't want it to. There's no talk of ceasefire. There's no talk of an end. There's no talk of how do we make this go away? Nothing like that. Because the swamp's got to eat. They got rid of the guy. They got rid of 45 because 45 was not making them rich enough. And now they're doing everything they can to stop 45 from becoming 47 because they don't want him to take away the food. All the delicious steak dinners at the Capitol Grill. See, the Capitol Grill is right around the corner from where I'm broadcasting from. Not the Capitol Grill, but it's a chain now, you know, so it's one of their locations. But not the grand one in the middle of Washington, D.C., where the real fat cats go. But you get the point. I mean, all this comes together for a reason. You know, suddenly now this confidential human source, even though the other confidential human sources were literally working with the Russians. And this is a great point that uh, Jim Jordan points out. How, how, come, how come these other confidential human sources who were used, uh, I'll give you one example, Christopher Steele, the guy who wrote the Fugazi dossier, that guy was literally working with the Russians on the creation of that thing. How come he was never charged by the FBI? How come he lied? He, no, he never got arrested. He never got in trouble. There's others too. But the two things that keep coming out here are more funding for Ukraine, 
And now everybody, again, is a Russian agent. Everybody in Trump's world is Russian, Russian bots, Russian agents, Russian stooges, Russian informants, Russian disinformation, Putin, Putin, Putin. I mean, it's getting to the point of just absurdity now. And what I can't understand is can't they come up with something just a little bit more creative? But they go back to the old playbook. It's like watching a bad rerun is what it is. Honestly, it really is like watching a bad rerun. To, to listen to these people go on and on about this confidential human source and to say that this guy is now compromised by the Russians and that means that the case against Joe Biden completely ends. You notice how nobody in the corporate media is interested in actually finding out if, if, if this is true as opposed to just the government arrest the guy to destroy his credibility and therefore destroy the case against the president. If we were living in a time where journalists still wanted to be Woodward and Bernstein, hey, here's a story for you. What if... The FBI, which has a notorious history of going after political opponents ever since J. Edgar Hoover first put on his first pair of high heels. The FBI, which has a very long history of going after and spying on people and intimidating them. And what if they just arrested this guy for the purposes of just simply destroying his credibility and nothing ever comes of it? How do you know he's really a Russian agent? How do you really know he's lying about Joe Biden? How does anyone know these things? How does the FBI know these things? Why doesn't somebody in the corporate media bother to ask? And the reason why is because, and I'll tell you why, many of the very same people that serve on the boards of all these corporations that own these news entities uh, are also the people that eat at the Capitol Grill with the rich and powerful, and they also serve on other boards, and they all speak at the same globalist conferences together, and they're all buddies together, and and they're all in on it together. That's why. They're all in on it together. And so there is no investigative journalism that goes on. There's no one from CNN who's a gumshoe reporter who's going to go and track down to find out if maybe the FBI just arrested this confidential human source just simply to destroy the credibility of the guy, because that's one way you could do it. Arrest him and charge him with lying. How do you know he's lying? How do you know he's lying about the the Biden's getting a bribe? You don't, but if you arrest him... In the middle of a congressional investigation into Biden's corruption, well, then that blows up. Guy's credibility shot. You throw the word Russian around and then it's further shot. Boom. Now your precious Ukraine funding. You don't have to worry about that getting uh, getting eaten up. In fact, you could use it to your advantage. You can use it to your advantage as they're doing by saying, and now Putin has his operatives acting in the United States of America. Further reason for us now to fund this war and give Ukraine the money and stand with Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. Use Navalny's death for that purpose. You use this confidential human source who was arrested for that purpose. Everything for that purpose. The purpose of making sure Ukraine gets funding and making sure that Donald Trump has not become president. Because the swamp has got to eat. Listen, those steak dinners don't buy themselves. You ever have a tomahawk steak on the Capitol Grill? It's delicious. Delicious. I like mine Pittsburgh style, medium rare. Charred on the outside, medium rare on the inside. And anyone, and I mean anyone, who serves a steak or eats a steak that is cooked more than medium rare, you are dead to me. You understand? Dead. Dead to me. All right, fine. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a lot to chat about today, as you can imagine. We got a ton of great audio. We got some great guests coming up, too, including an answer to a question that you as a parent may have. Why are kids today so depressed? Is social media to blame or not? We're going to find out. It's great to be with you today. Don't go away. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is the only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, it's a good song. It's sorry, I get lost in it. It's very good. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. One of my favorite dead songs. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. By the way, in the middle of all this, uh, they are trying to extradite Julian Assange. This matters. This this really does matter, too, and ties into everything that I've been saying about the 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 corporate media and their collusion with government and big tech up until Elon Musk took over X uh, to control the narrative and suppress information and tell you what is truth. And they're still doing it, by the way. I've got a clip I'll play a little bit later in the show. Dr. Paul Offit was on Morning Joe this morning going on about how COVID did not come from a lab. Didn't come from a lab. Do you believe this now? It's four freaking years later and they're still telling us COVID did not come from a lab. It came from an undercooked bat burger, Pittsburgh style. Look, I told you, get a tomahawk steak, Pittsburgh style, but your bat needs to be fully cooked. This is the problem. See, a steak, you can get away with a rare steak, but bat, you can't because then you get you start a global pandemic. That's, that, that's the problem. So probably what happened is somebody went to the Wuhan wet market and said, I'll do the bat tomahawk steak, please. And I'll do it Pittsburgh style. And they said, all right. And then they you know, charred it, but it doesn't really cook in the middle. That's real pink. Global pandemic. Boom. There you go. This whole time I thought it was a bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries. But what if it was a bat steak? It's very possible. I'm not ruling anything out because they're telling us still it didn't come from a lab. So I have to believe them. You know, even though there's new stories now that China is still tinkering with new viruses and now creating a COVID virus that has a 100% lethality rate, what could possibly go wrong? This is zombie deer now a thing. No, I'm not even kidding. There's actually a story about that. Zombie deer. I'll get to the zombie deer. The whole thing sounds like we're living in a in, in, in like a Hitchcock movie or something, but it's all real. It's all true. It's all true. Henry, what was the clip I told you to queue up again? Now I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, Gloria Borger. This is from CNN today, as now they're saying that the confidential human source who had the goods on Biden is a Russian asset. Take a listen. I want to ask, we had Manu on just a few minutes ago, and he was outside the James Biden hearing. He's testifying in the impeachment inquiry into President Biden. And after all these revelations about this FBI informant who's now charged with perjury, getting information from the Russians, you still hear Jim Jordan being defiant about this. Is there an off-ramp, or what is the off-ramp for Republicans who were pushing so hard to impeach 
President Biden. Is there one? Well, it seems to me like what he was hinting at was uh, placing the blame on the FBI, saying, you know, they told us that this was a very credible informant and would be a very credible witness. They told us to trust him and we trusted him. And that is why we came down so hard on these charges. So it seems to me and he was doing quite a job of spinning there, uh, but it was a miraculous effort at spinning. But it seems to me what they're going to go at is the uh, politicized Justice Department and say, did they feed us someone who was giving them false inform giving us false information? And did they know it? And, you know, you could hear a little bit of that uh, in what Jim Jordan was saying to Manu, just kind of placing the blame on the FBI and not on the committee for pursuing something that that was not true. When they launched the official impeachment inquiry, when they when they got the votes for it, there were those who said, look, you don't launch an impeachment inquiry without ultimately getting an impeachment vote, that the fact of an inquiry means there will definitely be a vote on impeachment. Does right. that still hold, though, given that they've turned up so little concrete evidence tying President Biden himself to shady business dealings and the fact that you have some blue district Republicans sort of wobbly on this? Yeah, well, if they had a vote now, they probably wouldn't get it. So they're not going to have a vote. And I don't even know, given this new information, whether they're going to go through with it. I mean, Comer has been a little wobbly lately. Jordan was spinning. And, you know, given this new information about somebody who is acting more like a Russian, you know, operative than anything else, uh, I think, you know, they're going to have to pull back. There it and is. And what See, they decide there it is. to Thank do. You, that's, 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 that's what it is. Russian operative, that's it. They got to pull back. You can't investigate the Bidens. The big guy's got to stay because he's the one who's going to make sure the checks to Ukraine cash and that the military industrial complex eats and the swamp gets rich and everybody gets to have a nice steak. Just cook your bat. 855-839-1210. Coming up, parents, do you ever wonder why there's so much depression among kids? Are your grandkids depressed? Is it social media? We're going to find out. Got a great interview coming up for you. But first, my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo have an incredible opportunity for you right now. They have the beautiful Cherry Hill Volvo S60 courtesy car available for you for $29,000. That's right, $29,000. It has less than 5,000 miles on it. It's a beauty. These courtesy cars are rarely used. And that's why they're they're also kept in pristine condition. And you see, Cherry Hill Volvo is going through a big renovation right now, which means that this is your opportunity to save, your opportunity to save right now at Cherry Hill Volvo because relationships matter. And Judith, Yosef, the entire team will work to get you the absolute best deal possible on that beautiful Volvo that you want. And hey, in S-Class, they're made right at their plant in South Carolina. It's American Jobs, and they're fast, and they're beautiful, and the great technology on them. You'll love driving one. Head to Cherry Hill Volvo now. There's never been a better time to go see the people that stand with us. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios, and that means a lot to me, and it should mean a lot to you. So stand with them because they stand with us because at Cherry Hill Volvo, relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, welcome back. Glad you're here today on a Wednesday. 
busy one. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here. The question, of course, is, are kids depressed today? Are they really, really lonely and depressed? Why are they so depressed? And is it social media? Well, my guest is the author of Tranquility by Tuesday, and she's also the host of the Before Breakfast podcast. Lara Vanderkam, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So our ki- people say kids are depressed, and what is really, I mean, are they, first of all, I guess that's the first question. I have three, mine are nine, seven, and three. They seem to be in pretty good spirits, so I think we're mostly probably talking about teenagers. So I guess I, do I have to worry about my kids getting depressed? Probably not so much about your kids. I mean, you know, if things are going well, probably they will continue to go well. Um, But, you know, broadly, people have always been concerned about teenagers. I mean, I'm sure you can think back to when you were a teenager. People were probably concerned about all sorts of other things. But the good news, actually, these days, teenagers are doing better on many degrees than they used to be. The teen pregnancy rate is down. The arrest rate for violent crimes is down. More kids are graduating from high school. Now, in the opposite direction, there is some evidence that there are, you know, increasing number of children having mental health challenges. Um, You know, that's happened over the past two decades. What else has happened over the past two decades? There's been a rise in social media, so a lot of people are worried about a causation. But it turns out that this is a lot more nuanced question than people seem to think. A lot of people make it very, very simple. They go, well, the kids are on screens all day. The kids are on social media and the kids are depressed because of the screens and the social media. And we also had a pandemic where a lot of these kids were not around their friends. They were not in school. They were not playing sports. They were they were kind of forced to be on these screens. Absolutely. And I think what you might see happening, I mean, again, it could be lots of things going on. Um, but what screens do is and they make, you know, passive leisure more entertaining than it probably was in the past when you only had three channels to watch on TV or something like that. And so if screens are displacing things that we know make kids happier, like playing outside, doing sports, hanging out with their friends, then it's possible that there could be a correlation with rising mental health challenges. But that doesn't necessarily mean that social media itself is causing that. Right. In other words, if the kids got off the couch and went outside and played like we did when we were kids... And we, a lot of kids today, I, I, I say this all the time, they're, they're kind of like indoor cats. You know, they hate being outside. They'd rather just be inside. And when I was a kid, it was go outside and play. And then when it got dark, you, you knew you had to come home. But then even then, we would still take flashlights and play flashlight tag or capture the flag or something like that. I mean, have we, have we lost a lot of that now with our kids? There's some element of that. But it's also that, you know, kids do different things and they relate to their friends in different ways and that's all fine and there's some good things about social media too i mean certainly kids who are in rural areas who don't have their friends nearby they can interact with their peers in a way that they couldn't um when i wrote a story recently about social media and teen depression and things like that i interviewed a young woman whose family had been quarantined for ages with covid because they had a lot of kids and Snapchat was her lifeline, you know, that she had just started a new school and was able to actually keep communicating with her friends because of it. So, you know, there are good things in the past. There are bad things in the past. There's good things now. There's bad things now. Um, generally, kids who are fine are going to be fine. It's the kids who are maybe more on the margins that we need to worry about. But, you know, they face a rough life anyway. 
Now, in terms of social media, we talk about, say, a young girl, a teenage girl who goes on Instagram and gets depressed because of body image and everything. That seems to be the classic thing that we hear about a lot. And then you have regulators in Washington who want to start regulating this. I don't know how you do that. It seems to me like it might create more problems. But what is that effect on kids where they 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 develop insecurities because of, of social media? How does that apply? Well, that's certainly one theory of why social media might be affecting teen mental health. It could be body image. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of beautiful people online, although we you know, forget there's a lot of beautiful people in magazines and television that you know, the media people would primarily consume in the past. And, you know, there's some evidence that there actually might be more diverse forms of beauty on social media than, you know, wherever in glossy magazines. Um, it could be bullying. You know, people are exposed to things online that it would have been very hard for kids to do in the past. You know, in the past, if somebody took a picture of you doing something you shouldn't have, um, you know, to share that with a ton of people would have been so difficult to do, right? To get it developed, to share it with a bunch of people. Whereas now, you know, you snap a photo at a party, it could be viral around the world tomorrow. And so, you know, there's certainly some element of that. People feeling like they might need to be a little bit um, more worried about um, bullying or being exposed to harmful content. So, you know, those are various mechanisms that might be making people more depressed, but it also just might be that kids are spending a little bit less time, you know, in person with friends and outside and on exercise and things like that. What about medicating kids? I mean, there's been such an increase in that. I saw a story today. They're talking about giving kids weight loss drugs now as early as 12. Uh, I mean, almost everybody has knows somebody whose kid is on Adderall or Ritalin or something like that. I mean, what, 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 what are the effects of all that, you think? It's so hard to know. I mean, I think there's been some evidence that if kids are more active, they might be better able to manage symptoms of impulsivity. Um, you know, and so certainly that would be something for people to try. But of course, there's also kids who truly do need medication for conditions. And, you know, we shouldn't disparage that if that's what they need. It, it's just hard to know what what's going to come out of all of this, because, you know, a lot of stuff hasn't like weight loss drugs haven't been tested so well on young kids. And one hopes that perhaps, um, you know, if kids are able to be more active and outside that maybe that would moderate weight gain. Um, there's some evidence that during the pandemic, children did gain more weight as they were not doing things like physical education and sports. And so hopefully that's something we can get a little bit more back to. Yeah, because if, if, if you kind of tie it together, I mean, if we're seeing a correlation with kids who are not outside playing with their friends and they're not doing those things and they're also gaining weight, and then the answer is, well, you know, give them a shot of Ozempic or, you know, whatever it is when they're 12, that isn't solving the bigger problem here and then also i think in addition to that you're not dealing with the fact that the kids are still going to feel the effects of the loneliness and the isolation and maybe that's making them eat more i mean in addition to not being outside it could also be the fact that they're feeling depressed and so maybe they're they're eating a lot more i don't know when i get depressed i tend to eat more I think most of us do. So, you know, it, adults and children aren't that different in the sense that we all know we probably shouldn't be spending you know, eight hours a day on screens. We shouldn't be, you know, mindlessly consuming junk while we are, are doing so. And then it might be better if we were doing healthier leisure activities like, you know, reading and going for walks and hanging out with friends and family and all that. So, you know, it's, it's hard to know how this will all play out. Um, I think the danger in trying to 
centrally regulated is that you have so many problems and, and just in general regulation tries to simplify things to a degree to be workable. And and so I think I'm concerned that, you know, if people are like, well, teams are teams are depressed, we need to cut down on teens being on social media, let's pass laws saying that they can't during certain hours. It can only be on for a certain amount of time or whatever sort of thing. It's very hard to be workable. And, you know, I'm not sure that that will solve the problem that that people are seeing. I'm not either. And I also don't think that if you start doing things like age verification and things on social media, I don't think that's going to solve the problem. I also don't think banning apps is going to solve the problem, because if anything, if you ban an app, kids are going to want it more. I mean, that's one thing we know about kids is that if they can't have something or do something, they they tend to crave it. And they're smarter than us when it comes to technology in many ways. So they can figure that stuff out before the parents even catch on. Absolutely. And that's not to say that there aren't things that can't be done to make for a safer internet, uh, you know, for children to experience. Well, Certainly, safer how? You're not, how do you define yeah, well, safer? But, well, sort of just thinking about, like, with television, you can't advertise liquor on shows that are primarily aimed at children, for instance, right? right? And, and so thinking about how could some of those guidelines translate into a different media landscape, I think that's a question that is worth exploring. And I think that social media companies might be wise to also try to figure out how they are not showing children things that probably people wouldn't want children to see, um, you know, just as a way to make sure that broader regulations don't happen, um, you know, when there's a big backlash. But, you know, this is this is all just evolving so quickly. And, and that's the thing. Technology changes so quickly. And, you know, one of, one of the things that's so interesting to me about this is a lot of the regulations like, oh, well, we need to change Facebook because there's these bad things on Facebook. Teens don't even use Facebook anymore, right? They've, they've pretty much left Facebook to go do other apps. Um, so you're always just, you know, trying to change things after the fact. What if you, here's a great question, should they, should they show those weight loss drug commercials to kids? <laughs> now that is a thorny question. Um, you know, I mean, given that children can't really make their own medical decisions on drugs, I'm not sure if that would be a very great idea, but... Um, no, you I don't. Know, think, I don't think it would. Honestly, I, I I don't think it's a good idea because I think then you're going to get kids primed to think that uh, <laughs> that's the route that's they want to go you down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I think it's a bad idea. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you get into some free speech questions around all this stuff, but uh, but look, I mean, when you're dealing with unregulated entities, um, you know, that do show our kids commercials, I think as parents, there's a responsibility we have too, which is to make sure we know what our kids are watching, for example, and to and to know and be involved in their lives and not let television or screens just be their babysitter. I think that's, I think parents have a big role to play in this. And what scares me is that the more that the government gets involved in trying to solve this problem, and I'm using air quotes, the, it, it's very easy for parents to just turn around and go, yeah, please do something, do anything, because I don't have the time. I'm working all the time, and I don't have the time to deal with this. But parents have to. they got to be involved. They need to know what their kids are, are doing and watching and playing. And, and I know it's it's not 100% possible all the time, but you got, they got to do the best job they can. Absolutely. Well, parents definitely can can and should be, be parents and be watching what their kids are doing. It's a little bit harder with you know, social media and things that are online versus, say, when you had the family television in the living room, which is very difficult to, you know, watch something you're not supposed to if your parents are right around because they're going to hear it, they're going to see it. 
um, you know, if you're on headphones with your phone off anywhere, you're, it's hard for other people to do that, to, to monitor that. But yeah, you know, and, and one of the best ways that I think parents can help make sure that their children are, are dealing with this all right is to sort of limit the space that is available for kind of zoning out online and consuming all sorts of social media content. Um, just, you know, having times that children don't have devices available, right? Having time that is marked out for homework or for outside play or for other sorts of entertainment so that it isn't the thing you're doing all the time can go a long way with limiting the role of social media in a child's life. That's why I love snow days in winter, because I made them the other day. It snowed. I said, get your boots on. You're going outside. <laughs> Go they tried outside. to fight me. I said, I don't care. Get your, you're going outside. Get outside. And I was proud of the fact that I made them go outside, and they complained, and they whined, but then they got out there, and they had a good time. You know what I mean? So, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And the other thing, too, is I think uh, in my family, certainly, everybody, we try to have dinner together every night. And no devices at the table. I think that's also a key thing as well. Uh, but I agree with you. Social media is not the big bad guy. That It's not the answer to all the problems that we think it is when it comes to teens. It's a more complicated, more nuanced question and conversation. Laura Vanderkam, thank you very much. The book is Tranquility by Tuesday. And the podcast is called Before Breakfast, which I'm assuming comes out in the mornings. Uh, it does. Every weekday morning, there's a new episode giving people a tip to take their day from great to awesome. At least I hope so. Well, good. Well, thank you for joining us. You made this day awesome for us. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Now, I'll tell you, that was the big story of the day brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Because you deserve a great smile. And speaking of my kids, all my kids also go see Dr. Venaria. He is our family dentist. Uh, Emmons Roofing and Siding, they do great work. And Emmons does fantastic work when it comes to remodeling kitchens and bathrooms. They really do. They remodeled our kitchen. They remodeled our bathroom. And I was so happy with the work they did. You will be as well. And if you've had any damage to your home, given all the winter storms and everything, you need to reach out to Emmons today. They will do a great job for you, and their work is guaranteed. Matt and his wife, Stephanie, will make sure that that work is done and you are happy. Doors, windows, siding, roofing, kitchen remodeling, bathroom remodeling in a day. Yes, I said one day. It is possible with the team with Emmons. And you should reach out to them. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore. If you have a shore house at the Jersey Shore, get that roof inspected now because minor leaks in the winter can lead to big problems when the warm weather hits. Just go to emmonsroofing.com today. Emmonsroofing.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.